0: He, do. he might
1: listening to the Swans Blog's Swanscast, the number one Sydney Swans weekend review podcast. That sure wasn't a game for the history pages, but it's another loss in a season full of losses. We are now solidly languishing in the bottom four, you know, and we've got more injuries to worry about as well. The team copped the shake-up heading into the weekend, and it did its job, but again, it was the young players leading from the front. You know, as always, next week, uh, shit, it's against Geelong. Now we've got the review, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the usual stuff. This is your host Justin, and with me tonight is regular co-host Joshua. So, Josh, uh, it wasn't a pretty game to watch, and in the end, it was a very low-scoring game.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was disappointing. Um, a plus for effort and uh, a D minus for execution, I think, is the the best way I've heard it summed up so far.
1: Yeah, I can't really can't really argue with you on that one. It was one of those games where the effort was certainly there, but just no execution or when there was execution it was very poor and just lack of composure.
0: yeah it was wasn't it um, some of our guys who are generally pretty good ball winners and, and users were well down our contested our contested numbers are just disgusting um, yeah there's a, a fair lack of tackling pressure across the ground and and, uh, and just our disposal efficiency in general was just shocking that's it, the worst I it's the worst game for disposal efficiency I can think of for a couple of yeah. years it was awful.
1: Yeah, it really was. The thing is, I mean, we still went at 73%, but by foot, we were absolutely woeful, and efficiency inside 50 we were quite poor as well. I mean, we had 20 shots from 50 inside 50s, but that doesn't take into account the ones that went on the full or the ones that fell short. Like a Lira Lee's shot that was an absolute shank. Um, then you're looking at shots by Jake Lloyd as well. So oh, we really hurt ourselves with our... Uh, efficiency inside the
0: forward 50. Yeah, yeah we did. And it kind of makes you wonder whether that blip, uh, that two months we played earlier this year, well across the middle of the season, whether that was actually the anomaly because our efficiency inside 50 was fantastic through there, which is why we managed to get a winning score up even though there weren't yeah. great scores. Um, yeah, we were going it's, at 50-60 uh, yeah. at one
1: point.
0: Yeah, I think we were might have even been leading, leading the whole league over those few weeks. Um, but just... Oh, I, I, I don't know that senior blokes looking a bit senior and the, the junior blokes looking really junior. Yeah. And, and um, probably, to be honest, probably the end of the season can't come quick enough now.
1: Yeah, it does look like some of the senior players are really falling off the edge of a cliff. I mean, that happens. You get older, you, you start slowing down. But, I mean, some of the players that we had who are quite experienced players genuinely look like the game had. Gone past them, so I'm looking more at a Josh Kennedy, who at times still looked like he could mix it and match it with the best. But I mean, when you got Mundy, who has absolutely slaughtered essentially the entire Sydney midfield, it goes to show that you know sometimes you know it's passed you by.
0: Yeah. Yeah maybe maybe it does. I was I was quite disappointed that we didn't have any answers for David Mundy. Um David Mundy's a fine player but he's not that good. He's not as good as he was this week. It was there was what David Mundy was able to do and I think there was what we then allowed him to do. Um Yeah. It's funny because my recollection of Josh Kennedy you see I brought him up that was that his disposal throughout the game was quite poor but when you actually look at his stats he was going at over 80%, so um well, I guess it's a combination of uh, how effective those disposals were, even though they weren't they weren't uh, they weren't particularly poor in efficiency but they had little impacts maybe is what we were noticing more than anything um, well but certainly yeah. like I said the other week I feel like the magic's waning with him and and I'm, I still stand by that statement after this week
1: well he had twenty three disposals sixteen of them by hand and he must have hit almost a hundred percent by hand because by foot he was fairly erratic, I think is uh, fair to say. I mean, he still had eight tackles and a couple inside 50s and a couple of rebound 50s and two tackles inside 50, which is really impressive. But it did look at times like he was just two or three yards off the pace of the game. Uh, Isaac Heaney is another one who, he was practically unnoticed, invisible for the first half of the game, really. He got into the game in the second half in a big way, but uh, he wasn't really able to contribute when the game really mattered. But importantly, Sam Reed kicked three goals and Ryan Clark had a decent performance. Um, I I think it's going to be hard-pressed to drop him considering he was arguably one of the better performers on the Swan side, certainly in the top 10, 12 players.
0: Yeah, he certainly didn't get as much of the ball as I would have liked him to, but when he did, he seemed to have a reasonable impact with it. I would have liked to see him work as more of a dedicated tagger throughout it. I don't know... I don't know whether they, they put him with a run-with instead of a hard tag. Um, yeah. Certainly, we could have tried him for longer on Monday. I think the only the only midfielder we had who, who who really stood up, at least in the contested ball work for me, was George Hewitt. I thought everybody else was well below their usual standard, and I just found myself absolutely hating again the way we play Isaac Heaney.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's an interesting one because, for me, it all it looked like he wasn't really all that willing to get involved in the contest. There was certainly, uh, I guess, a a big difference in the first half and the second half of how he was attacking the ball. So in the first half, yep. he just looked tentative, like he was just hanging off the back for an easy ball out that he could carry. And in the second half, he he cracked in. So, I mean, to me, that seems like the coaching staff made a change, encouraging him to get in and try and win the hard ball. But, uh, I mean, he. this isn't a pick on Isaac Heaney kind of podcast. This is just symptomatic of where the team is. When you look at the breakdown, he only had seven disposals in the second half, but it looked like he was doing more in the second half. Um, yeah. You can then look at players uh, like Nick Blakey. Uh, he had one of those kind of games where it almost looked like a, a kid from the under-14s was playing in the under-16s. He was really quick and his legs were moving really fast, fast, and then his body could keep up with there was two or three instances in the first quarter alone where he basically fell over with the ball or going for the ball. There was one particularly funny moment when he had the ball, tried to bounce it and bounce it away from himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he was okay, but then you go down to the bottom. I know we've kind of talked about this offline, but you look at some of the uh, the bottom players, you know, Stoddard came in for his first game of the year, seven disposals. Um, he looked okay, but I mean... Didn't have really impact.
0: He, he looked like a boy amongst men, yeah, though. He, he just, uh, I think he'll be fine once he bulks up. But to bring him in, uh, and he should have come in. He absolutely deserved a selection. But to bring him in against such a big team, a big body team, uh, when we're decidedly small. Yeah, And let's face it, that should have worked for us in the wet and it didn't. He And in a team that's uh, struggling for performance at the moment, he kind of got exposed coming into senior year So you can't. I don't hold that against him. It's just part of the hard knocks of war, I guess. The the two that really disappointed me was Tom Papley, 23 disposals at 43%, and Tom McCartan, five disposals at 20%. Tommy McCartan, I think he's cooked for the year. He's been getting worse over the last few weeks. Can barely get his hand on the ball at all now, and we're not even getting any scoreboard impact out of him. So I think it might be time for Tommy to have a rest.
1: I don't think it also helps the fact that they've played him forward-back, 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 basically week to week. Another one, like Robbie Fox is okay. He looked okay. Uh, second Ruck, I'd say completely and utterly useless, but he was only there to sort of take the contest, and that was it. Defensively, he was okay. Uh, McCartan, we've already touched on. Malekin is, uh, he benefited from having a Learn in, in defense. Yep. But there were still moments there where you're just like, no, this isn't working.
0: No. No, so, no, yeah. it, it, it's not working. <laughs> it's just not working. <laughs> we haven't worked for about 3 weeks now. No. Um and I, I can't I can't really put down that down to what it is. It just last week it was seemingly a lack of intent. This week the intent was there and and, and but the execution wasn't. Um yeah. uh, a few of our guys are usually hard ball winners just not winning the ball as much as they were a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah. yeah. Another one you can kind of lump in with that is Will Hayward, who last year and earlier this year looked really really good and now over the last 6 weeks he's just looked like a bog-average VFL standard footballer. Yep. I'm not saying he's uh, found his level. (laughs) Certainly not. Just that his confidence has sort of uh, plummeted a bit and his execution's just not there.
0: Yeah, he's goal-kicking yips and and he probably didn't regain any of that form he had before he broke or had his jaw broken for him. So it's been a little bit disappointing. Yeah. The last few weeks has been a little bit disappointing.
1: It has been. I guess one of the good things out of the match is the fact that we... um, as far as I know, we didn't pick up any more injuries.
0: That's always a good. There were there were a few good there were a few good performances, like individual performances in there. I really like Hayden McLean. What we asked yep. him to do as a debutant up against Aaron Sandilands to pull sixteen hitouts or whatever it was. That wasn't that was a fair effort, uh, and I thought he gave us a bit around the ground as well. Uh, probably probably a little bit more than uh, under those circumstances he should have as a as sort of a tall, you know. Tall player, small team, up against a man-mountain in the ruck, in the wet. He probably did okay. James Robottom, still rate his kicking ability. Yep. Um, I like watching that bloke play. Ali looked way better in defense than he did in the ruck. Yeah. Dane rampy was pretty solid. Yep. Um, but there were still a few good moments for us.
1: Oh, yeah, no question. This isn't a uh, bash on the Swans podcast or anything like that. There was some, some good things to take out of that match. It's just disappointing that given the amount of outs that Fremantle had that we couldn't capitalise and we really shot ourselves in the foot with it.
0: We, we really should have. We really had a solid chance to win this game without, without Fife and uh, I was going to say Walters but that's not him, the other bloke. Um, name just
1: escaped me. Even Lobb went off with a shoulder injury and we still couldn't capitalise. When the ball, yep. when they got their forward entries locked in, they were marking everything in forward 50 and yep. that was their height difference. They exploited yep. it, and we we had nothing to go with it. So I was a little bit surprised to see Mc, uh, McLean and Robbie Fox go on the ruck. Uh, Adam Curley from the AFL suggested that was going to be the case. Uh, I didn't think it would be, but it ended up being the case. And it's probably good because at the same time, Malia was apparently sick before the start of the match. So, you know, there's that. I did hear that he'd been unwell, and apparently he had a chuck in the middle of the field as well. Maybe that was just his uh, response to the way we were playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got
0: got what it deserved Got what it deserved, um, yeah Oh, look, you know, it is it is what it is We well and truly can't make finals anymore And I think, uh, well, they obviously uh, Well, our pre-season starts now, doesn't it? And I think yeah. uh, the way our injury management goes Will will probably reflect that more Callum Sinclair had shoulder surgery this week But apparently they booked him in for that last week um, So his season is done Yep which sounds like a pretty sensible decision, if you ask me. Yeah,
1: but yeah, it does. It's certainly more sensible than bringing him back onto the ground with already a dislocated shoulder. That is true. That is very true. Franklin's still one to two weeks away? Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'd
0: rather just... Well, personally... Ice uh, just ice just him. Just ice him. Yeah, Let the guy have a proper preseason for the first time in years, and... uh and maybe we might actually get a season out of him next year. Oh, I know his fitness and form hasn't been that great the last two years, but when you consider what the injury was last year, uh, being the heel injury, that, uh, that could have happened to anyone. And it's happening to much younger blokes out west at the moment, which is why the Dockers and the Eagles won't train on that ground.
1: Look, he actually hasn't had a pre-season in three seasons. So No, after... that's
0: right, because he's been having surgery.
1: Exactly. After the 2016 grand final, he had surgery uh, arthroscopy surgery on his knee after the grand final didn't start training until I think about three or four weeks before the season, or maybe even less. Uh, It was kind of like the same last year. He had a bit more training and then did his heel and then couldn't train at all during the season. And this year he had the knee surgery again, or the ankle. Mm -hmm. I can't quite recall which one it was. No, the groin. So he had the groin surgery, came in. I think he only started training two, three weeks before the season. Yep. So, I mean, it's going to catch up with you. It's eventually going to catch up. And he's had back issues, groin issues, hamstring issues for the whole season, really. So, it's no no big surprise, really.
0: No, that's right. That's right. I think it was a shoulder, actually, after 2016. 2016 shoulder. Grand final. He finally had Might a re yeah. on his right shoulder. Yeah.
1: Uh, so long ago. Yeah. I've scrubbed that um, I feel grand flat. final from my memory.
0: <laughs> I think most people do. It's... Sort of disappeared in a bit of a drunken haze for me. I I don't want to know
1: about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good news is uh, Sam Naismith is returning to the NEFL this weekend.
0: Yeah, and I I suspect if he gets through that game okay, they'll probably just throw him in there next week. And I mean, his preseason essentially starts now as well, doesn't it?
1: It does. I'd be surprised if they chuck him in straight away, but I would be surprised if he didn't play before the end of the season.
0: Mm. Yep, just to give him a taste of what's going on.
1: Yeah, we are playing Geelong next week, so uh, it's going to be interesting because they've got uh, Stanley and uh, Smith, and they've also got Tom Hawkins who can go through, so it's kind of a similar situation with Fremantle, where where they have three, four tools, uh, Radigalia as well, so I know the last time we played him, Radigalia got on top of Sinclair, and uh, Stanley, I think it was, was it Stanley or was it Smith? No, it was Smith who played, Stanley was out, I think. Absolutely yeah. dominated Sinclair. So it's going to be interesting yep. to see which way they go uh, on that front. But it's good to see that we've actually got some players coming back from injury instead of getting injured.
0: Yeah, that's true. And uh, Geelong's, Geelong's form is almost as bad as ours at the moment. So, And the, I don't think they tend to travel that well either. So uh, we're in, we've, got a, we've still got a chance. It's an outside chance. But yeah, it's an outside chance. chance.
1: Yeah, but uh, look, that's this weekend coming up. This podcast is on the weekend that was...
0: Next question, Your Honour. Next question.
1: The, next question. Yeah, we've uh, lost three in a row. We, our last win was against the uh, Suns, so um, we're not doing too well. We've got 66, 62, and fifty-one of scores. Not looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. Hopefully, we can get past sixty-five. Would be nice this coming weekend. But that's uh, a review podcast. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're almost, almost twenty points below our average, yeah. average score at the moment. So we've we've lost. We've essentially lost four goals in the last five weeks per game. Um, And if they want to look respectable for the remainder of the year, we need to get back to our meagre, our meagre average of 83
1: points. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Look, I don't think it's any coincidence that without a Ruckman and with the team shuffle that we've been forced to have, especially with injuries on top of injuries, that our scoring potential's fallen way off the edge of a cliff. I mean, we've had Frank, we've been without Franklin now for three, four weeks. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and the and the tipping point of not having you know, as much flack a sink as cops for not being a dedicated stay at home ruckman, um, the effect of not having him in our midfield has clearly still affected the clearance situation in yeah. a disastrous manner. Um yeah, and no amount of having a lear and lear in there trying to, to get six or seven clearances of his own per game is gonna fix that. Um, they that's just our midfield is completely out of whack with Sinclair there. Um, it's a real problem. Uh, but to have a guy like David Mundy put 11 clearances on you is <laughs> yeah. embarrassing. Just an abomination. It's, it, it's embarrassing. embarrassing.
1: Yeah. It's embarrassing. And this is a team that, if you go back to 90, um, 2014, 2016, was made up of largely the same parts, mm. except no Hanabry, uh and no Mitchell. Parker and Kennedy played predominantly midfield in that time. Uh, 2017, we had that poor start, then we turned it around. Obviously, Mitchell wasn't in the midfield anymore, but it was still the same players. George Hewitt was a key player in that midfield. So, yeah, it's interesting. I'm not too sure whether the turnaround is going to come. But again, I mean, if you look at the game stats, the game stats kind of tell the tale, really. We're behind 24 clearances, and nine of those were center clearances. We got absolutely dominated. Despite the fact that um, Hayden McLean actually did pretty well in the ruck, all things considered. Yep. We were minus 35 contested possessions. So again, I think we're the worst differential for clearances and contested possessions in the league.
0: Yep. That's an absolute paddling in contested possessions.
1: Thankfully, we talked about this on the previous podcast about our tackle pressure. And thankfully, they did improve the tackle pressure with nine more tackles, which is good. But as expected, we got smashed in the headouts by 35. So, yeah. It's...
0: And that's uh, and that's only because it was a low-scoring game too. If uh, if that had been a high-scoring game, that would beat us by 50 or 60 easily. Yeah. Easily.
1: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, and it was a bit worrying, actually, having uh, having Robbie Fox go into the ruck because he had zero hitouts and one clearance. Mm-hmm. So, not only... And in the end, the... the um, Fremantle were taking advantage of the fact that Fox is in a ruck by smashing the ball forward 20, 30 meters. Yep. So it was uh, it was an issue, and that's why we saw Sam Reid and earlier go into the ruck at times because it's mean, not you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know going into the match you, you chuck a guy who's one eighty four up against a guy who's two hundred and seven, he's going to get his pants pulled down.
0: Yeah, and he's probably given up fifteen or twenty kilos as well with oh, Sam because no, he's, he's such a bloody man. he's given up like nearly
1: know. forty kilos. So. Well, there you go. So he's given, yeah.
0: up a, he's given up two bags of cement.
1: Yeah, exactly. Two bags of cement and almost a bag of cement in height. <laughs> Certainly almost one or two stacks. So, yeah. And, I mean, Sandalins has got arms the length of a bridge, so you're not beating him in a ruck contest that easily.
0: Well, they should take one of those bags of cement and feed it to our midfield so they harden the up. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But that's all right. Inside 50 stuff was actually quite all right. I mean, we had two more inside 50s and five more marks inside 50. And we had a bunch of tackles inside 50 as well. You know, Josh Kennedy had two tackles inside 50. Yeah, the way the ball went in there, though. That wasn't the biggest problem. It was what we we were doing with the ball when we had it inside forward 50. Uh,
0: Our set shots were just abominable. They were abominable. Realistically, we had enough chances to kick 80, 90 points in that game, but instead we yeah. decided to stick them out on the full and not carry the distance and kick behinds when they really should have been goals. And It, just, it, was, a, it was an extremely frustrating game to watch in that regard because for the most part, we had more than... Well, well, no, we did, despite the fact we got smashed out of the centre, we still yeah. had enough chances to win that and then just butchered it. The last kick through the sticks, nah, can't no, can't do
1: it. I'm still thinking back to instances in the uh, first and second quarter where we had a chance, we got a mark inside forward fifty, uh, and then we chipped to someone on a worse angle and turn it over. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. And that happened that's like right. five, at least four or five times in the match that we had that gettable chances, and then we just chipped to someone who's closer but in the worst position.
0: That smacks of a team who's lost their confidence. It does it really does that kind of decision making smacks of a team that's lost their confidence which is strange considering how well we were playing only you know 4 weeks ago so i don't know i don't know like i don't know why why that would happen there's seemingly no real reason it's a bit like actually it's a little bit like collingwood there's really no reason for them to be performing as bad as they are at the moment either yeah. just for some reason they've either got complacent and lost their mojo or something's changed within the playing group and they've lost their mojo but either way Mojo's not quite there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Look, Ali had eight disposals. Sorry, eight disposals in the first half. I'm looking back at the awful timeline. Uh, he yep. and this our second quarter was pretty good. I have got to give us credit for that. But of Ali's eight disposals, seven of them were intercept possessions, and yep. that's the one thing yeah. we haven't had in defence for like the last three weeks when he's been thrown into the rock. Yep. So, it's good to see that we actually got some stability back there, but our forward 50 usage was so poor. It just let us down.
0: Yep, And I I guess if it's a small positive, um, and that is that despite the fact we got comprehensively flogged in the midfield, they only put on 52 points. Yeah. Yeah, They really should have put on... With those numbers, they really should have put on 100.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we did well to keep them out. So, I think that's where the defense has come back in for stability, but obviously it's gone too far the other way and now there's no stability in the forward line but at the same time we're not getting the ball to him yeah so I, I i can't get access to the ground ball gets but i imagine the Fremantle would have smashed us in that as well but yeah. look uh let's go on to player of the year votes uh some contentious ones here and this is uh purely based on the fact that i had to look at the aflca votes i had to look at stats and at a bunch of other things and to be honest, I, I wasn't really able to come up with that many votes for that many players, Josh. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It is, It uh, the is. You're trying
0: to balance up how much impact they actually had compared to what their numbers actually show. And there was no real standouts this week. They're all hard choices because
1: we had so many average players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. I'll, I'll read them out. I'll go 1-5. to five. So, coming in with one vote is co-captain Luke Parker with 28 disposals, 10 of them contested, 2 goal assists, and he kicked 1 goal 1. Coming in with two votes on his debut is Hayden McLean. Woo! 13 disposals, 3 score involvements, 5 marks, 22 pressure acts, 16 hit-outs, and 8 tackles. Eight. I thought
0: that was quite... Yeah, I thought that... Team high, too. Yep. I thought that was a pretty solid effort uh, considering how we played and who he was up against. I thought he was good.
1: I thought he was great too. I'd seen him in the Nifl and I was like, ah, not too sure. you know. And then you saw a Longmire's video during the week saying, you know, we're getting him in because he's an honest try. He cracks in. He always has a go. He works hard. And that, that's all we literally needed in the midfield was someone to work hard. And he showed how it was done. So it was really yep. good. He actually put in stats that are pretty comparable with Sinclair, if not better. So that's yeah, quite that's stunning, true. quite stunning. Well, that really.
0: that would be helpful because I'd love nothing more than to be able to have Sinclair doing chop outs in the ruck and yep. having running as a as a second tall down front. Yeah, exactly. Um, structurally, I think that would make us look a heck of a lot better. But we continue to use him as a as a punching bag in the
1: center. <laughs> this is where the AFLCA votes come in, and I'll say them as well. But uh, coming in with three votes is. Co-captain, Dane Rampey. 22 disposals, 9 marks, 2 of them contested, 5 tackles, and 450 metres gained. He also picked up 2 of the coaches' votes. So he had a pretty solid game, as we talked about. Coming in with 4 votes, I know you're probably not a fan of this one, but it is not. it is little <laughs> bold forward, Tom Papley. 23 disposals, uh, quite a lot of them turnovers. Uh, 8 contested possessions, 9 turnovers, and 1 goal 3. So if you swap his one goal, three to three goals, one, we win that match. Yeah. But look, his impact going inside forward 50 was telling. It's just his efficiency inside forward 50 was just not good. It was not even acceptable. He polled coaches votes? Uh, He got four. Really? Yep. Okay. Uh, And coming in with five votes is Jake Lloyd. 42 disposals. That is equal career high. Seven of them contested, eight marks, three inside 50s, eight rebound 50s, two behinds, and zero tackles.
0: Zero tackles.
1: He got eight votes.
0: He is the loosest, most no contact <laughs> defender since Paul Ruse. He really is.
1: Yep, yep. But our leaderboard has Luke Parker ahead <laughs> on 34. Josh Kennedy on 31, Aaliyah Aaliyah in third on 29, George Hewitt fourth on 20, and Tom Papley fifth on 18. And we'll be right back after this break.
0: Welcome to Intermission.
1: Our effort was pretty good. I mean, um, I thought our execution wasn't quite up to scratch. Um, But uh, our effort in in general was pretty good, more inside 50s. you know, they obviously got on top of us around the clearances which was, um, you know, we, we thought we'd try to mitigate that um, as much as we could um, uh, but you know, I thought we, you know, our, our effort was pretty good, we just didn't execute as well as what we should have. Okay, and we're back. Normally, we do our Sunday champions and villains here, but uh, Josh, it is not Sunday. It is not Monday, but it is, in fact, Tuesday. It's not that Wednesday podcast that we did that one time. (laughs) No. So, Tuesday champions and villains. Uh, I'm going to kick things off, and my Tuesday champion is the Brisbane Lions. Hashtag Lions blog. I don't think I need to say too much on this topic. A second on the ladder, and they are looking genuine... I don't know about premiership contendants, but certainly they're in that sort of four or five teams that could challenge and potentially get there on the final Saturday.
0: Yeah, they're they're exciting, aren't they? They are. Um,
1: I love watching them. They're an
0: exciting. They're and for still such a young team as well. Like these guys, they they could have the next dynasty written all over them at the moment. Um, they've got a great coach. They've got a great young list. You, you just bloody look out because if they pick up a couple of more free agents and I'm tipping they've got room in their salary cap as well seeing they're all such young punks they could be a seriously deadly team over the next few years
1: oh yeah yeah no doubt and look they came from five goals down to win that match in the end and I got a helping hand which we're going to talk about a bit later but they were really really <laughs> good <laughs> yeah uh, they were
0: and and still the better team on the day. Yeah. Uh, if if they had been a little bit more accurate in front of goal, they probably would have won, they could have won that by five goals quite comfortably. You know it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, your champion, please, Josh. Uh,
0: my champion is actually Nathan Buckley. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came out today in the media to defend Jaden Stevenson against one idiot named Wayne Carey. Um, <laughs> S- Stevenson, obviously, being suspended at the moment for uh, breaching the AFLs. Policy on uh, on betting, while almost getting himself done for match fixing. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, while he's suspended, not allowed anywhere near the club. Him going away on a holiday with his family and putting photos of his family holiday up on social media for his friends to look at. Apparently, that's bad. That's a bad look, what? according to Wayne Carey. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and and I, I just it. thought that I just thought that Nathan Buckley's approach to it was was fantastic because he. He was basically saying, "How dare he? How dare he be human? Yeah,
1: exactly. I cannot believe
0: this kid is being a human being. How dare he be What's human? What's he supposed to do? Just sit in his
1: room and cry?
0: Yeah, apparently. I, don't I know. Mean, what would Wayne care? You'd probably go to a pub and punch
1: someone in the head or something. I don't no, know. No, I think he'd go to one of his teammates and shake their misses. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> don't or, mention the war. No, <laughs> I just,
0: I just thought. I just thought Nathan Buckley's defence of his player, um and, and sort of like the sarcasm and humour he used it, it was just pretty classy. So he's my he's my Tuesday champion.
1: Alright, and then who would your Tuesday villain be? Well that'd be Wayne Carey for being a mob. <laughs> <laughs> Must we continue? Much it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think the name Wayne Carey speaks for itself when it comes to, you know, delivering social commentary.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. He's been a villain a about few what's times acceptable.
0: This year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just keep calling the game duck. Yep.
1: Triple M, Channel Seven—they're all getting it wrong having him on the telecast because he is literally a, a walking, talking noffy. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, uh, my Tuesday villain is not AFL-based; it is actually Formula One-based, and it is the Haas Formula One team. They there's a little bit of a backstory on this. They signed a uh, a sponsorship agreement with an energy company that wanted to rival Red Bull. Uh, Basically, the company was shady as F. I mean, it had no history. It had no money. We're talking two years ago. It had 300 pound in the bank. It's English based. They had no money yet. They've promised 40 million pounds over four years to the Haas Formula One team. They didn't do too well. They crashed into each other. uh, And then on Twitter... It's just descended into this massive Twitter fight where they're going, no, we're, we're breaking up. We're no longer doing this. No longer sponsoring you. We're, we're cancelling. We're cancelling. Basically, it turns out the company has no money. Uh, the person who founded the company, William Storey, transferred the uh, rights of the energy drink, which tastes like shit apparently, to another company. Uh, and then he resigned. And then they've got some other management in there and they don't even know if they got any money for the finances. <laughs> so they basically wiped each other out and then lost their sponsor in one weekend in absolutely hilarious fashion. So my villain is the uh, Haas Formula 1 team.
0: I swear the administration in Formula 1 is more corrupt than
1: the AFL. Oh, it is. And the funny thing is um, Rich Energy, which is the team uh, which is the sponsor of the company who was formerly headed by William Story. That guy has a shady history and he's connected um with softball Porn billionaire. He got his money through a tobacco farm of some variety in um, Zimbabwe when you couldn't even own land, and he has connections to uh, Russian oligarchs and criminal fa- um, criminal families and organisations. So basically, it's suggested um, on Reddit as some really good stories on Reddit. If you want to go read it about the fact that Haas could have been forced to pick these guys as the sponsorship because so. It's just some conspiracy theories, but it's all very interesting. But that's my villain. Very good. Well deserved. Well deserved. Uh, We don't have any clan files this week, but we do have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, Josh, you want to kick it
0: off with your good, please? Ah uh, yep. Uh, once again, we've been singing these praises a little bit, and that is for X1 Reese Shaw, um, and probably more importantly, the fact he's being interviewed by North Melbourne this week for the senior coaching position. I think I think it's widely felt that he's probably going to get that now. I like the fact that North Melbourne have obviously got it together to the point that they're already starting to interview uh, potential candidates, so they obviously know what they want. And, and uh, you know, good old Reese Shaw. I hope he lands the job. I've really liked what he's done. He's come really close to winning a heck of a lot more than he's than he's won already. He could be he could actually be five and one, I think, at this stage instead of the the three two he's got. Is that right? Uh no, three yeah. two. Instead yeah. of the four two he's got. Yeah. It's uh it's been exciting and uh, I just think it's, I just think he's a good thing, so Reshaw's my good thing for the week.
1: Yeah, look, he has been really good for North Melbourne. He's uh fit in like a glove. Um, we're not talking about the uh, OJ Simpson glove, but we're talking about a beautifully huh. designed and fitted glove. He is working very that, well with that glove. That glove that Michael Jackson used yep. to wear. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. glove, exactly. If you've got the captain and basically every single player of the team praising uh, him and singing his name and everything, it's you know it's a good fit. And you've got the same happening at Carlton as well. So Carlton are trying to campaign to get the one guy Chris Judd doesn't want there to be to be coach. How funny. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. <laughs> My good is St. Kilda stomping the dogs. Alan Richardson was between a, a rock and a hard place, to be honest. And I, the one thing I did actually agree with in Wayne Carey, and this is very rare I'm going to say it, is that earlier in the season, we're t- talking about round 12-13, he suggested that Alan Richardson should be considered coach of the year despite the fact he'll probably get fired by the end of the year. <laughs> now, to be honest I thought Alan Richardson had done a pretty good job With a very, very average team There are some rumblings and, and talk that came out over the weekend About the fact that St Kilda got Dan Hannabury without even a medical Despite the fact that they said they had, they had, they had uh, And this is coming yeah, from that- Grant Thomas Grant So you Thomas, take it with a yeah. grain of salt More like a cup of salt So, yeah, it's I don't believe everything he says because he, he is known to uh, to indulge in the facts. Yeah, uh, th-
0: the link there, though, was so- that it, that was because uh, uh, Hannabury knew Simon Lethleen through Xavier. And Simon Lethleen, with some of the things that were done up at Gold Coast Suns, adds a little bit more credence to it. Yeah. I think I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's
1: a bit of a weird one. But look, Brett Ratton had a uh, very successful return to coaching and he was probably one of the hardest done-by coaches, I think, of the last decade when he got sacked from Carlton for one poor season after making the finals the previous season and being, you know, having a pretty good job and a pretty good run at Carlton. I think he's what, one of yeah. the most successful ever coaches anyway, as far as win yeah. rate goes.
0: Yeah, that um, still probably stands as one of the most bizarre coach sackings ever performed by an AFL
1: club. Or well, at least they got Malthouse in, and he gut at the club. So I can't complain too much. <laughs> oh, speaking, speaking of Carlton and Malthouse, did you see? Oh. Did you
0: see? Was was it Sam Doherty who was asked about Malthouse returning to coach?
1: No, no, but I have heard the Malthouse to return to coach, and if any club picks him up, I mean they deserve to crash and burn.
0: Yeah, I I I, I can't be sure whether it was Sam Doherty, but anyway, one of the uh, one of the Carlton guys has asked about if they'd heard about Mick Malthouse's return to coaching in it. And he was pretty diplomatic and he just sort of went, oh, you know, I haven't really heard about it. You know, tried to downplay it. It It's pretty clear he was amused by the idea of Mick Malthouse going back into coaching. So it's a bit of a funny moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't blame him. (laughs) Hopefully he doesn't return. I I hope no club picks him up. Time for the bad. And so my bad is the goal celebration in the Port Adelaide versus (laughs) Richmond Tigers match. Now, it's not the celebration itself. Let's make it clear. I don't really care about the celebration, right? Good on him for celebrating like a bit of a clown. Uh, The the bow and arrow, sure, I I don't get the celebration. It was a bit goofy. Whatever. All good and fun and all that sort of stuff, right? Did you find it offensive, Josh? Because I didn't find it offensive. No, I didn't find it offensive. No, so I mean, it's all in... There's about it whatsoever. No, it's all in good fun. He's trying to lift his team. But I I think the problem is the fact that they were trailing by three goals in the second quarter when he did it. Uh, In the third quarter, sorry. They were trailing by three goals in the third quarter when he did it, and they went on to lose by, what, like 40 points or something. Uh, 38 points. It's a
0: bit of an odd celebration when you're on the verge of getting spanked, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was bizarre because (laughs) after that, Richmond kick one, two, three, four, five of the next six goals. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I mean that's like uh Trent and fist pumping when they were down by one hundred and thirty points in two thousand sixteen in that last game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, yeah, I, I yeah, no, that it was just, it just how much of that Trent Cochin one was just him taking the piss or what. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I it's just if you're bizarre. five goals up or if you're winning or it's a, a clutch goal, go for it. But go for it, yep. I win. mean, it
1: was a good goal. There was nothing wrong with the goal or the celebration. It's just as yeah, Ken Hinckley said, you know, there's a time and a place. And clearly that wasn't the time and the place. And I think most people agree. Fully agree, yep. Uh, your bad, please.
0: My bad is this bullshit thing that Steve Hawking's come out with that the AFL needs to look at tackling because there's too much tackling going on in a game of football, and uh, there should be less <laughs> tackling because less tackling will free things up and they'll be able to score more, which is exactly like every other rule change they've brought in, which has not increased scoring. Yep. So Steve Hawking is just he's my bad. Actually, if we did clown files this week, this was going to be the clown, so yep. let's just clown him clown. anyway. So yep. he's our number one clown, stuff him. Yep. Uh, Steve Hawking, <laughs> you're a clown.
1: Yeah, our clown of the week... Uh... Yeah, look, when I read it, I had a laugh because I was like, this guy's an absolute moron. Uh, everything he's done since he's come in has just been an absolute cluster F. Like, the MRO with his invention. Now, it, it's a disaster. The MRO is literally a disaster. It's actually done worse than good. Uh, everything else is just, it's just fallen, fallen to the wayside. It's just collapsed in a pile of shit. But anyway, um, Ugly Time. And uh, despite the fact that Brisbane Lions were my champion of the week, uh, it must be said that the umpiring in the Brisbane Lions game in the last quarter, especially in the last five minutes, was extraordinarily poor. It's so it was garbage. It was garbage. I mean, it's actually really it didn't good. Have for a good him. time. It was, and it's really good that the AFL actually came out and said that the free kick that Oscar McInerney got with seventy seconds left shouldn't have been given. No. Now... No, no, it shouldn't have. It's like from... Because I'm a former umpire, I'm looking at that. As an umpire, I probably wouldn't have paid that. As a spectator going on what their 5-meter rule is, which they brought in a decade ago for stupid body-on-body contests that much bigger forwards are winning on much smaller defenders. We're we're talking 191, 192-centimeter forwards who weighed 88 kilos playing against forwards like Barry Hall, who could throw a truck to the side, essentially. You know, he's just dismissing... Um Scott Thompson, like he wasn't even there sort of thing. they brought that rule in so that he couldn't lay someone out thirty meters off the ball and and then have a lead. They didn't bring it mm. in so you could bump someone off the ball and then mark it a second later,
0: yeah, yep, so yeah, it was a pretty was, pretty contentious moment, wasn't it? Uh, it was a
1: bad free kick at that time, the scores were level. um He kicked the goal, it meant that the best North could possibly hope for was a draw, and then they um got the ball back into their forward line and they kicked the ceiling goal. So no yep. problem. I had no issue with the last free kick. The last free kick was fine, but that free kick on Oscar Macdonaldy was like, no, nah, that that's not football. That's not what it's about.
0: Nope, uh, you're no, right. Certainly not. Chris Judd. Yep. While I like I like a lot of the tunes coming out of North Melbourne about the way they're selecting their coach, the very fact that Chris Judd was in the media within a couple of weeks of David Teed taking over Carlton, and basically saying, "No, he's got no chance." You know, we're not going to give him the job. I think was really poor form. The guy's gonna, the guy's given you more wins in the last six weeks than you had all of last season. Yep, exactly. And yep. It's just it is far too flippant and and far too early just to disregard this bloke out of hand for who knows who knows what Judd's issue with him is. And if you want to have those conversations behind closed doors, that would make perfect sense. But. Through 40 classified, and this goes back to my other whinge about him earlier in the year, and that, and that seemed to be that he was being loaded up by the club president or CEO, whatever his name is, Mark Lagudashe, and that way Lagudashe could kind of hide out of the media. And Chris Judd seems to be bringing all these things out, and it appears on 40 classified. So yeah, it's a bit disappointing. And I would have thought for a guy of uh, his standing within that club, that wouldn't be the kind of thing that you would say out in the media. Oh, that was just poor no. form.
1: Okay, so here's a rundown of their form since they had the switch in coaching. They beat Brisbane Lions, who are currently second by 15 points. They lost to the Bulldogs after coming from five goals, five, six goals down in the last quarter. Um, Then they beat the Dockers, kicking a goal with about a minute and a half left. They almost beat Melbourne after coming again from five, six goals down. They actually took the lead in that much in the last quarter, briefly. Uh, They beat us. To be honest, we didn't even deserve to be close in that game. Uh, looking no, at the didn't. scoreline, 8-14 or 9-15, it probably should have been them by a bit more than that. Uh, they flogged the Suns, and to be honest, it looked like it was going to be real ugly at one point. They were up by six, seven goals. And, yeah, so, look, four wins out of the last six games. Teague's doing a good job, and Chris Judd is just made to look like an absolute imbecile.
0: you gotta, you got to wonder, too, that under Bolts were... Were the scene or the assistant coaches um, actually providing useful information during match committee? We should move this player there. We should not select this guy. Or were they just a bunch of yes men?
1: I don't know, because David Teague was one of the assistants. So
0: maybe David Teague yeah. was the only dissenting opinion in the room. Maybe that's the difference. I, I don't be. know, but but if if you're allowed to. I mean, if the issues are as widely known as they reckon they are now um, and it was to do around where players were being played on the field and clearly Teague moving Curno um, and, and, uh, and Murphy back into the midfield made a huge difference to the way that team operates. Well, how come there wasn't more people in that coaching, in, in those match committees singing that song? Um, you, so you, the natural assumption there is that were they just a bunch of yes-men?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. We've talked about this before, where I said it almost looked like he was coaching by committee. Uh, so it's a, you know, it's possible that he was actually coaching to a preordained, uh, I don't know, objectives and, and all that sort of stuff. And I got that impression um, when Lolo, when the Toad spoke and he's and he's bald, yes, man. <laughs> and Chris Jard the the twit spoke as well when they got rid of Bolton. That there was a plan in place. It was all about the plan, the plan, the plan, and it kinda of seemed to me like he was actually coaching specifically to that plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Damn, so damn
1: be the results, just let's coach to the plan. And I think maybe that's that's what the issue was that he coached too literally to whatever yeah. the plan was. And then you've got David Teague who's basically he's a coach. He's he's probably never really been considered to even be auditioning for the role. They've just said, Go ahead, just coach him. And the shackle presses are off and, though. Yeah.
0: Presses off. We'll see what happens yeah. when there's expectation on him.
1: Yeah, it's it's just weird. It's weird. I don't know. Maybe Brendan Bolton's a micro manager, or well, maybe he's, he's just not macro. a match
0: day coach. But certainly, yeah. certainly anything they've got there at the moment, you you know, he's got to get credit for the culture he's built off the field because they're a basket case when he came in there. Yeah, and now yeah. the players love the place. They love being there. They love playing with each other. Um, and well, Teague might be just the icing on the cake. But
1: well, there's one team you can compare him to. That's um, the Western Bulldogs from 2014 to uh, 20 no, 2012 to 2015, under Brendan McCartney. Mm. Now, I'm not saying Carlton are going to have a breakout year, but Brendan McCartney uh, was kind of criticised for his match day performances. But the team that they had for the 2016 Premiership was 99% built and constructed, and the culture was built by Brendan McCartney.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: So, I mean, I, I can't even remember who the coach's name is um, at the moment, but he's kind of waltzed in, um, scrapped them to the grand final. They won a grand final, and ever since then, they've kind of reverted back to what their level was previously, which was not very good.
0: Does that, that mean we give some credit to Rocket Eid for Ruse winning apprenticeship, Premiership in 2005?
1: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's it's an interesting <laughs> one because Ruse was there as a coach, but apparently he was an agitator, as you uh, would know, from before that. So it's it's interesting. You can always give credit to coaches who did stuff beforehand. I mean, mm. it, it's it, You could say that without Rocket Eed we might not have even picked up Adam Goods, but without Rocket Eid, uh, we might not have been able to realize his potential either because he was playing him hor- horribly out of position.
0: Yeah, that is true. That's so, very true.
1: It's an interesting one. Um, time for another discussion, I think. <laughs> uh, but
0: Yeah, we spent as yeah. much time on the Blues as we did on the Swans, but...
1: Yeah, well... The Blues are a bit more exciting at the moment, I think. They're a bit more exciting to watch at the moment. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back next time for our preview podcast on Thursday night. So uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow us with the tags, the Swans blog. We also have our Swanscast podcast tag. Until next time, go Swans. Go Swannies.